You're listening to a presentation of The Rising, a community of faith, a church designed to see people far from God raised to true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Uh, It was September 2011 that I ran my first and last half marathon. And, uh, I, and I've talked about this before. It was a rock and roll half marathon in Virginia Beach. And my wife and I and a couple friends ran it. And I just determined that that was going to be my last half marathon. Because I'm not the kind of person, like, like I hated every minute of it, j- just to be open with you. I- I'm glad that I did it because it was a great accomplishment. It was a great achievement. But I hated it because I'm not the kind of person who enjoys running. Now, now there are some people who love running. My sister-in-law is one of these people. Like she'll wake up and she'll run a half marathon just because. She's not signed up for a half marathon. She's not uh, in a race at all. She'll just go to Mount Trashmore and run 13.1 miles just because she can. I don't understand people like that. And if that's you, sorry. <laughs> I just don't get it. But, but I signed up for a half marathon even though I hate running because I knew it was a great accomplishment and I wanted to do it in my life. And, and I figured that it would lead to a marathon. It's not. But, but I thought, well, well, let me give it a shot. And, and when I first started running, I was horrible. I couldn't run down our street without stopping. That's how bad it was. But I continued to train. I continued to get better because I knew I had to increase my distance. If I didn't increase my distance, then I'd die in the half marathon. And I didn't want to do that. So I kept training and I kept getting better. And eventually I got to the point where I could run around our whole block without stopping. And I celebrated. I got excited about that. You know, you got to celebrate in the small victories sometimes in life. You can't wait till you finish it all, you complete it all, and you got the full victory. You got to celebrate along the way. And so uh, I, I continued to train. I continued to get better. And eventually I could run a 5K without stopping. And then I could run an 8K without stopping. And there were some mornings where I'd wake up two hours before going to work, and I'd run five, six, seven, eight miles around our neighborhood because I knew I had to increase my distance. But as I was doing this, preparing for the half marathon, I started to feel a a sharp pain just below my right knee and also on the right side of my hip. Now, if you're a runner, then you know what was wrong with me. Because I would get to a certain distance, and at this distance, I'd feel this sharp pain right here and right here. And what was wrong with me was I had ITBS, iliotibial band syndrome. Uh, See, your iliotibial band, your IT band, is the tendon that connects your hip to your knee and it runs right along the side of your leg. And the reason why I was experiencing that is because my IT band was overstressed from overuse. Uh, and what I was, was experiencing during this training is known as referred pain. Uh, referred pain is a pain that you get somewhere where the source for that symptom is somewhere else. I'll give you some examples. Um, if you get a brain freeze, that's known as a referred pain. Because you've eaten something cold, your throat has frozen fastly, and you hear this, or you feel this great pain in your brain. Now, your brain hasn't frozen, but you feel the pain in your brain because the vagus nerve in your throat is sending pain signals to your brain saying, hey, we're freezing down here, calm down. And so you, you, you get a pain in your brain, but that's not the source of the symptom. The source is actually in your throat. Uh, if you feel Uh, an intense pain in the tip of your left shoulder that could be a sign that your spleen has ruptured. 
This is known as Kerr's sign. You can feel a pain in the tip of your shoulder for something that's happening in your spleen. This is referred pain. And when I was experiencing ITBS, it, it was because my IT band was inflamed, but the pain I was feeling was really a result of what was happening in my left leg and in my posture and running and what was going on in my lower back. All these different things caused my IT band over here to get inflamed and I was feeling that pain. That's referred pain. I, I bring this up because there are times in life where we experience a pain and we go to the place of the pain only to find uh, that the source is not the symptom. Uh, I'll say it again. In life, we experience pain, and we go to the place of our pain only to find that the source uh, is not at the symptom. Uh, I'll give you an example in botany. Uh, if, if you have a tree and you want to produce fruit, you may, and the tree is not producing fruit, you may say, well, the problem is at the branches because fruit comes from the branches. This is where the problem is. That's the symptom. But the truth is the source for that symptom is not at the branches. The source for the symptom is in the roots. Most of the time, if you're not bearing fruit, you don't need to try and fix the branches. You got to fix the roots. And sometimes what happens in life is we go to a place of pain in our life and we try to fix that pain, that, that place right there. We're trying to fix the symptom, but nothing ever happens because we're not addressing the source. And the reason why we miss this, the reason why we go to the symptoms at times and not the source is because of our constant compulsiveness to compartmentalize. Y'all like how I said that? Our constant compulsiveness to compartmentalize. Uh, what I mean is we segment and segregate and section off our life uh, so that we have various compartments in our life that never interact with one another. And it shows itself in our language. Um, like we say things like this. Well, I need to achieve a good work-life balance. Right? So we talk about having a work-life balance. I have my work over here, and I have my life over here, and they're on a scale, and they're separate, and I need to strike a balance between the two. Oftentimes, we look at our lives as though there's compartments and sections. So instead of our work and our life being integrated, they're separated, and we got to strike a balance. We say things like this, uh, well, I have a social life, and a spiritual life, and a church life, and a family life, and a public life, and a private life. Like, do you see how dissociative we are? In psychology, there's um, a medical uh, diagnosis where somebody has multiple personalities. It's known as dissociative identity disorder, DID, multiple personality disorder. And in psychology, uh, it's noted that people can have multiple identities living within them. And these are separate identities that don't interact, but uh, eventually they can take over at various times and the person won't even know what identity they have. So they have all these split personalities inside of them that take over at various times. See, I believe that you and I live a dissociative life. Not that we have dissociative identity disorder, uh, but we separate and segment and section off our life into various areas. And so we can have a, a social life and a church life. And because of that, we can act one way on a Friday night and then act another way on Sunday morning and not see a problem with that. Uh, 
We can be one person in one place at one time, and then another person in another place at another time, because we've segmented and separated our lives so that they never interact with one another, and we see no problem with that. But I want to tie all this together, because you're probably sitting there like, okay, where is this going? What are you talking about? I've talked about referred pain, how we can have a symptom, but the source of the symptom isn't always the same place. And what happens sometimes is we go to the symptom to try and fix it, and we miss the source. The reason for that is because we live separated, segmented lives, and we don't understand and we don't see at times that the reason I'm experiencing this symptom over here is because of this thing in my life. And so we live dissociative lives, and we attack the symptom, neglecting the source, and we keep having the same problem. Um, as, we, as we start this series, Everything is Spiritual, I'm just wanting to lay a foundation here so that we can change our mindset. And so let me give you some examples so you can see what I'm talking about, because I realize by the glazed look in your eyes that you're confused. So what happens is there can be a symptom in our life we feel this need to jump from relationship to relationship. You're never single, but you're in a relationship all the time. And you may look at that and say, well, I got a relationship problem. How come I got to jump from relationship to relationship? You see that as a relationship problem. That's the symptom. When in reality, the source may very well be that your father walked out on you when you were young and you deal with issues of abandonment. And because you deal with issues of abandonment, you jump from relationship to relationship. So you don't have a relationship problem. That's a symptom. The source is that you have an abandonment problem. And if you could address the abandonment, then your relationship problem would get fixed. Do you see what I'm saying? Let me, let me give you another example with this relationship thing. If you jump from relationships to relationship, uh, you may again say, well, I got a relationship problem, but, but that's just a symptom. See, the source for your relationship problem that you jump from relationship to relationship is, is actually that you haven't discovered your own identity. And so you find your identity in who you're with. And if I'm not with somebody, then I don't know who I am. But what you got to do is identify who you are apart from that person. And once you get that identity problem fixed, your relationship problem will solve itself. You see what I'm saying? Symptoms and sources. The place where we see the symptom isn't always the source. Like, you might have a problem at work, and, and you complain at work, and, and you hate your job, but, but the truth is, you might not have a work problem. You might have an honor problem. See, the symptom is you hate your job, and you go in, and you complain, and you, and you try and undermine the company, and you, and you don't like where you work, but, but really what it is is you haven't developed honor for your boss and submitting to their authority and to the vision of your company. And so because of that, you talk about how you hate your job. You think, if I could just work on my work problem, but really what it is is developing honor. Once you do that, your work problem will solve itself. See, there's symptoms and sources uh, symptoms and sources. Uh, some of us, um, we jump from church to church, right? Like you've been to several churches. This is like your third or fourth church. And uh, every time you leave, you always cite this reason. Well, I prayed about it and God is just leading me somewhere else. But then when you come here, you talk about how, uh, well, this church didn't really satisfy my needs or they didn't give me what I want. C could I suggest that the problem is not a church problem, but the problem is a consumeristic attitude, the, the, the symptom is, well, the churches don't blah, blah, blah. But really, the source is a consumeristic attitude. 
Because I have these conversations with people all the time. Um, like, they'll come and they'll be like, oh, Pastor, I love the rising. The rising is so awesome. It's so great. You know, I went to ABC Church, and I just didn't like it. They didn't really fill my needs and blah, blah, blah. But I'm here, and I just love it. And when I hear that, what I think in my mind is, man, well, I know ABC Church, and that's an awesome church. And if I didn't lead this church, and if I wasn't a part of this church, which I think is the most awesome church in the city, then I'd be a part of that church. So if they couldn't meet your needs, I know we're not going to be able to. See, it, it, it's not about the church, but it's a consumeristic attitude. If you would change the source, then the symptom would alleviate itself. And I just want to let you know, I'm glad you're here. Like, I'm glad each and every person is here. And I want to suggest to you this morning that God has a reason for you being here. Even if the reason you came isn't a good reason because you didn't like whatever or whatever, like God has you here for a reason now. And I want to invite you to not come with a consumeristic attitude, but to get involved, to plug in, to make a difference, to change some people's lives, because we got a great mission to accomplish. See, the symptom is not always the source. Uh, there are times where we miss this because we live separated, segmented lives. And what I want to do today uh, as we just start this series, this is really just the foundation. Over the next four weeks, we're going to get more practical. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, various aspects of your life and what you can do and how you can change some things and how you can see things differently. But what I want to do today is I just want to lay the foundation to change our mindset as we move forward so that we can see that everything is spiritual. Really, I, I, I've taken all this time in my introduction to get to this one point right here. Here it is that we can't separate and segment our lives, okay? Because everything we experience in life has a source that's spiritual. We can't separate and segment our lives because everything we experience in life has a source that's spiritual. And if we start looking at the symptoms, trying to fix the symptoms, then we'll miss the source and we'll continue to be frustrated. We'll continue uh, to, to feel inadequate. We'll continue to struggle with the same things because we haven't attacked the source. And so what I want to share with us today is the truth that everything is spiritual. Let me give you the title for my sermon. It's called, How Awesome Is This Place? If you would take a moment to write that down in your program, in your iPhone, iPad, Android device, whatever it is you use to take notes with, uh, the title for the sermon is, How Awesome Is This Place? If you have a Bible, would you open up to Genesis chapter 28? We're going to start reading in verse 10. Because what I want us to do is see that when we live separated, segmented lives, we miss the truth that everything is spiritual. And we'll end up so frustrated because we're, we're attacking the branches when the problem is at the root. And so as we look at what we're going to read in Genesis 28, verse 10, we're going to look at the story of a guy named Jacob who discovered that everything is spiritual, that he couldn't live a separated, segmented life. Uh, what happens before what we're going to read is this. Jacob has stolen his brother Esau's inheritance. And as a result of that, Esau wants to kill him. Makes sense? He stole from him. That's what you do when you steal from somebody. You kill him. Uh, <laughs> just joking. So he's running from his brother because he's afraid of it for his life. And he gets to this place that we're going to read. And then uh, this is the beginning of his transformative journey. After what we're going to read, Jacob goes on to a place called Padan Aram where he marries two sisters, Rachel and Leah. I feel like there's a joke there, but I don't know what it is. But 
he marries these two sisters, and then he steals from their dad. He deceives him, and then he runs from their dad, Laban, because Laban, he, he's afraid of him. And then Jacob comes to a point where he meets God, he, he interacts with God, and God transforms his identity. He changes his name from Jacob to Israel. The name Jacob means liar and deceiver. And so up to this point, Jacob lives his namesake. But then he in, encounters God, and God said, what is your name? Jacob said, I'm a liar and a deceiver. But when he got in contact with God, God said, no, you're not, not anymore. Your name is Israel. And Israel means struggles or wrestles with God. I want to let you know this morning that you came in brandishing a name. Whatever that name is, maybe it's impure, maybe it's dirty, maybe it's unclean, maybe it's somebody who doesn't have it all together, and this is your brand, this is your label, this is your name, but when you interact with God, when you encounter the God of the universe, he has the potential to change your identity and to change your name, and said, you used to be that, but now you're this. You're no longer called by that, but you're called a child of God. And so you just need to know that you're not too far gone. You're not too dirty. You're not too unclean for God. And so Jacob encounters God. He changes his name to Israel. But I want to go back to the beginning of the transformative journey here in Genesis 28, verse 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You know, this should be a church that does a series on the promises of God and how you can trust God no matter what. And they should call that series, I told you so. Uh, <laughs> I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. I told you so, Jacob. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, Oh my gosh, God was here, and I wasn't aware of it. When I came to this certain place, and I put a stone down for my pillow to lay down, and, 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 and I just thought I was laying down to take a nap in an ordinary place, but now I've realized I'm in a sacred space. I, I came here, and I thought that this was just some regular place, but the truth is God was here the whole time. See, for Jacob, his eyes were open to the fact that where he was was spiritual. Nothing changed about the place. When Jacob got there, God was there. When Jacob got there, it was spiritual. He just didn't know it. God revealed it to him. His eyes were open, and he realized, oh, I've been missing it the whole time. When we sang that song, the atmosphere is changing now. Ain't nothing changing about this place. It's still the Norva. 
still the place where bands come and do concerts. And it was the same when we got here. What changed was our eyes were open to the fact that God has been here the whole time. We just showed up. See, Jacob said, oh, this is a spiritual place. I didn't even know it. I wasn't even aware of it. But now my eyes have been opened. This is a spiritual place. Everything is spiritual. Do you know why Jacob wasn't aware that he was in a spiritual place? Do, do you know why you and I are often unaware that everywhere we go is spiritual? It's because of how we view the world and how we view the universe. Uh, let me ask you. If you were to point to heaven, where would you point? Up, right? M most people point up. Yeah, he heaven is up. If I were to ask you to go ahead and point to hell, where would you point? Down, right? Hell is down. If I were to say, where is the earth? Point to the earth. You'd probably be like, here, right? <laughs> like, like, this is earth. Heaven is up. Hell is down. This is the earth. He heaven is up. Hell is down. This is the earth. Up, down, middle. There's three separate layers. It's like tiramisu. Tiramisu, right? So, so, so there's three separate layers, right? Like heaven is up, hell is down, this is earth. There's these three separate layers and everything is separated. Like, like God is up there somewhere. Uh, the devil is down there somewhere and we're right here. This is known as three-tiered language. Many of us, when we think about spirituality, we think of it in these terms, three-tiered language. Heaven is up, hell is down, we're here on earth. We even see this in the scriptures. Jesus came down, our prayers go up. What good is it if I go down to the pit, up, down, here? This three-tiered language. And the reason why we see this is because the writers of the scriptures were using their best understanding of the world to try and communicate to the people who are reading what they were writing. And so they use this three-tiered language. Um, and so th there's this idea that God is up, uh, death is down, hell is down, and we're right here. Uh, and, and some religions at the time uh, that believed in many different gods, they had a three-tiered language as well. They believed that the gods are up there, and what we experience here on earth is the residue of what's going on up there. Uh, the, the gods are somewhere there. They're doing their thing. And what we get is a byproduct of what's happening there. Spirituality is somewhere else. Not here, but there. Because we view the world this way, it's easy for us to separate our lives. It's easy for us to categorize and to compartmentalize our lives because we have this three-tiered view of the world. This is why somebody can, can believe in God but not live for him because God is somewhere else. And so I believe in him, but it doesn't really impact my life here and now. This is why somebody can say that they're a Christian, uh, but, but then not live it. This is why somebody can say that they're a Christian, but then lack integrity. Because, well, that's at work, right? I mean, that's, that's separate from, from my Christian life. I got to do what I got to do at work. And so th this is why we can separate things, because we have this three-tiered view. This is why uh, somebody can raise their hands in worship on Sunday morning and use those same hands to feel up their girlfriend Friday night Be because everything is separated, right? Heaven is there, hell is there, and here we are. Th this is why somebody can pray earnestly for somebody but then use that same tongue to spread gossip because everything is separated, right? We have this three-tiered view of the world. Heaven is up, 
hell is down, and here we are. And here's the problem with having a three-tiered view of the world. It's that the divine is somewhere else. Like, God is up there somewhere, and we're here, and everything seems to be going fine here without him. And so we don't really need God, because God is up there doing whatever God does, and we're here on earth going about our own life. If we have a three-tiered view of the world, it forces us to try and come up with explanations and defenses as to why God exists. If heaven is, is there, hell is there, God is up there, the devil's down there, and we're here, then I have to try to convince you that this divine being up there exists. And if I do convince you, what does it matter? Because he's up there, I'm here, and everything's fine. I don't really need him because he's up there. If we have a three-tiered view of the world, God is up, the devil is down, and we're here, um, then it leads to superstition. Because now my, my job here on this earth in this middle plane is to figure out how do I get the divine to show up in my life? And so, and so I got to say the right words. I got to say these, the, these right prayers. I got to go to church at the right times. I got to do, do all these things. And if I do all these things, then the divine will somehow act on my behalf. If we have this three-tiered view, it's like, Hey, hey, God, can you take notice of me here? When we have this three-tiered view, everything is separated. But here's the, here's the thing. We all know that the universe is not made up in three tiers, right? We all know that heaven isn't up because we've been there and we didn't see it. Like, we've flown in airplanes and nobody was sitting on clouds up there strumming harps. We've been there, nobody was there. We went to the moon and nobody was there. We have telescopes that see galaxies and, and heaven isn't up there. We've been down and hell's not there. We, we realize that the earth is made up of crust and mantle and core and there's no fiery sauna of a place called hell down there. Like, like heaven's not up and hell's not down. So where are they? I don't know. <laughs> But we know they're not up and we know that they're not down. Now, I'm going to be very clear. Heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell are eternal realities. But they're not up in the sky or down below. But they're real. And the truth is, everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. Everybody in this room, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. You're either going to be with God in relationship with God in heaven for all of eternity or you're gonna be in hell for all of eternity separated from God. And here's the thing, God doesn't determine where you go. God doesn't decide if you're gonna be in heaven or hell. You decide. Because he's given you the choice. The way that we decide if we're gonna be with God in heaven for eternity or in hell, uh, separated from him for eternity, is dependent on what we do with his son Jesus. See, God saw that you and I had a sin problem that we've all rebelled against him and we've said, God, I wanna go my own way instead of your way. I believe that a life without you is better than a life with you. And we've done that in our lives. You can look back and you can just know that there are times where, where you've gone your own way. And because of that, the scriptures say that when we sin, when we rebel against God like that, we're separated from him. But God made a way for us to come back to him, for us to have a relationship with him by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to be the sacrifice for us, to take all of our wrongdoing on himself. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took your sin on himself and he, he, he nailed it to the cross and it died with him. 
Jesus forgave you on the cross 2,000 years ago. And the question is, what will you do with that forgiveness? What will you do with the gift God has given you? Will you say yes to that by believing that Jesus died for you, that he rose again from the dead, by being immersed into him, by following him, saying, Jesus, I want to give you my life? Or will you reject him and go your own way? See, that decision is up to you. God puts that determination in your hands. It's up to you where you'll spend all of eternity. And the decision is yours. You know, last week, there was a girl who was sharing with our team um, how she went to school with somebody. And um, she's a young girl, so I imagine the girl she was talking about was young too. But she went to school with her, and um, I think it was on the 12th of this past month, she was, um, this girl was um, having headaches. She just wasn't feeling good. She went to the ER, uh, and they diagnosed her with leukemia on the 12th of this month. They flew her somewhere else for emergency surgery. She didn't wake up from the surgery. She was put on life support, and on the 15th of this month, Three days later, after her diagnosis, she died. Somebody else told me about um, a friend of theirs who, she's in her 20s. She was having headaches. She went to the doctor, and they found that she had a mass in her brain. She had cancer. This past Wednesday, she had surgery to remove it. They weren't able to get all of it out, and so she's going to have to start radiation therapy. When you hear things like that, it makes the reality that life is fragile and frail uh, more evident to us. The truth is, we're not promised tomorrow. I don't say this to scare you. I don't say this to manipulate you. I say this to remind you of the truth that we're all mortal, and there's going to be a day when we pass into eternity. And the question I want to ask you is where will you spend the rest of eternity? With God in relationship with him in heaven because you accepted him here, you entered into a relationship with him here and now, or separated from God for all of eternity because you rejected him. Each and every Sunday, you have the opportunity to make the decision to say yes to Jesus. Next week, we're setting up a hot tub right over here and four people are giving their lives to Christ, being baptized into him. They've made that decision to say yes to him. If if you've never said yes to Jesus by believing in him, by saying, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to give you my life, and by being baptized into him, being immersed into him, I want to invite you to make that decision today. When you came in, you received a program, and at the bottom of that program is a connect card. At the bottom of that connect card, there's a box that says, I want to accept Christ and be baptized. The truth is, everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. I wonder for you, where are you going to be? If you do decide to mark that box and you want to make that decision, would you drop it off at the black tables as you exit? There's a table there that says, I have decided. There's somebody there who would love to meet you and talk with you about the decision that you made. But the truth is, everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. Where are you going to be? But here's the thing. This whole thing about everything is spiritual isn't just about there and then, right? Like heaven and hell, it's not just about there and then but it's also about here and now. 
Heaven and hell isn't just about where do you go when you die, but heaven and hell is about what do you experience here and now. Could it be that heaven and hell aren't just eternal realities, but they're current circumstances, they're current certainties right now, that you have the choice what you'll experience here and now. Will you experience heaven in your life or hell in your life? And this is why I say that heaven and hell are current certainties now because of what we see in Genesis chapter 28 with Jacob. See, he was in a place and he had a dream. And in the dream, it says in Genesis 28, 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending. The reason why he has this dream, the reason why there's, there's this image of a stairway to heaven is because God is showing Jacob heaven isn't just up and hell isn't just down and you're stuck here in the middle. But I'm giving you this dream to show you that heaven comes down, that heaven is here and now, and we get to choose to experience heaven. This is why we talk so much about following God, because when we follow God, we're choosing to experience the life of heaven here and now. A, a healthy marriage, where a husband and wife are submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ, serving one another, loving one another, can feel like heaven on earth. But a marriage where we live for our own selfish interests can seem like hell on earth. Some of you are experiencing hell right now in your marriage. But I want to let you know that heaven came down and it's available for you to experience in your marriage right now. If you'll just follow him. If you'll just trust God and do things the way that he's called you to. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's not because you have to. It's because it's just a better way to live. When you go to work and you work in a place that you love, whether you get paid for it or not, whether you get paid a little bit or a lot, can feel like heaven. I get to do this. I can't wait to go to work. But when you work in a place that you hate just for a paycheck, Dear God, it's Monday. It's like you're driving into hell every week. We can experience heaven and hell here and now. Believing the best and giving grace is an experience of heaven. But when we assume the worst and live with a negative attitude, that's a hellish existence. Heaven and hell aren't just eternal realities, but they're current certainties that we get to choose what we'll experience here and now because heaven isn't just up, hell isn't just down, but heaven and hell are here and now. Jacob said, I was in this place and I thought it was just an ordinary place. Oh, but this is a sacred space. Everything, everything is spiritual. The apostle Paul points this out when he's in uh, the city of Athens and he's writing to this polytheistic group of people there. Actually, he's having a conversation with them. Uh, and, and here's what he says. Because he's trying to help them see that everything is spiritual. That for them, everything is segregated. Everything is separated. But he wants them to see, no, no, no. 
everything is spiritual. Here's what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Not just heaven, but earth. Here and now. Not just there and then. And he doesn't live in temples built by human hands. And he doesn't and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Everything is spiritual. Everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him though he's not far from any one of us, that they would seek out, seek him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. God's not up there, swirling around doing some God thing. But God is here now, not far from any one of us. God is with you. God has been with you your whole life. He's been pursuing you your whole life to bring you to this point, to where you would notice him, recognize him, realize him, and enter into a relationship with him. I wanna remind you today that he's not far from any one of us. It says, for in him, in him, we live and move and have our being. Paul is quoting a philosopher of the day, and he says that there's some truth in what this philosopher is saying. He says that God isn't far from any one of us, and he says, for in him, we live and move and have our being. Paul says that you are in God. You are in God. And if you're a Christian this morning, I just want to remind you that not only are you in God, but God is in you. God is in you. And can I make you aware of the fact that wherever God is, that place is spiritual. God is in you, and wherever God is, that place is spiritual. That means that you're spiritual. You're spiritual. That means that your work is spiritual. Your relationships are spiritual. Your family is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. It's not up there. It's not down there. But it's here and now. Everything is spiritual. Everything, everything, everything. Everything is not separated. You can't have a work life and a social life and a spiritual life and a church life. You have one life and it's not a gym. You have one life and the source of everything in your life is spiritual. Over the next four weeks, I'm gonna show you various aspects of your life and I'm gonna show you how it's spiritual. It's gonna change the way that you view your work. Next week, it's going to change the way that you view yourself. I'm going to show you yourself like you've never seen yourself before, and that's for real. I'm going to show you how your family is spiritual. I'm going to show you how every relationship you have is spiritual. Because you're in God, but if you're a Christian this morning, God is in you. 
Wherever God is, that place is spiritual. So everything in your life is spiritual. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.